With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm sure you can relate to this where it's like society or your parents brainwashes you to achieve a certain thing like that title or like become a doctor or get that corner office or become like whatever. And so I thought I was chasing these things that, you know, not through my parents, but sort of like what is cool. Once I had that, I realized it wasn't made for me. I wasn't, it was something that every creative fantasizes about. But once I had it, I was like, whoa, this is not what I imagined it was going to be. And I'm going to throw everything away and start something and try a few different things to find what really fits my personality. My name is Mara Lecoq and I'm a model minority. Welcome to Model Minorities. This is a show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. Basically what we're all thinking about, but probably not talking enough about. Whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, gay, straight, boy, girl, or anything in between. This is a show about all of you for all of us. Today, we're talking to Mara Lecoq, co-founder of Where Are the Boss Ladies, which is a searchable database of female bosses in the advertising industry filled with fun facts and um, where you can find mentors and other women to work with and work for. What was interesting about Mara, um, really early on, we started talking about identity because she's, as she said, a mix of what the world ranks as the rudest and the nicest people. (laughs) She's half French, half Filipino. And uh, at the risk of not insulting French or Filipino people, I won't say which is which. But But yeah, she's, yeah. It was a nice, she's a perfect mix of those two extremes, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, you know, it's funny, as a um, parent uh, of a mixed kid, I was like, we, we spent so much time talking about like the mixture of identity, not feeling fully French, not feeling fully Filipino yep. uh, when she goes back to either. And I thought about my daughter actually a lot. It's like, yeah. how is she going to feel? Um, I mean, I have had the feeling, I don't know about you, Sharon, but like I have the feeling of, I'm, am I American? Am I Indian? I'm definitely more American, but as a kid, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so when your mom and dad are different. That's true. And I think... I, I definitely feel the same way. I mean, I think about my own mixed race kids as well and my own upbringing of growing up in the U.S. So I'm really, even though I'm of Chinese heritage, I'm a U.S. Um, citizen, resident, and American. Mara, on the other hand, lived in three different places, right? So she she spent some time in France. She spent time in the Philippines growing up, um, and now she lives in the United States. So her affiliation with the culture is not just a 
DNA genetic one. You know, it's a it's a cultural and a societal one. Oh, it's an identity well. thing. And we, mm-hmm. I think she said she counts in French. <laughs> like, yep. But yep. it's like, yeah, the mixture of language in the head is something I, I just find so fascinating. Absolutely. I also thought it was really beautiful that she tells us about um, how her father used to refer to her, well, both her parents used to refer to her as a little human instead of just a little girl. Yeah, I actually, since we interviewed her, I started doing that with my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that gave her a sense that gender wouldn't define, like shouldn't define her or, or shouldn't put limits on what she could and couldn't do. And um, her parents always encouraged her to be very much into the sciences and mathematics. Um, she actually explained to us that there are several different kinds of mathematics. I remember she was saying like different types of math that she learned. I think it was in France. And we're like, what do you mean? There's one kind of math because we're American. We don't know any better. <laughs> no, I went, to, I went to a math and science school, Shan. So uh, no, but you know, I wonder, I wonder if it's making up for she's the descendant of pirates. That was amazing. Yeah. I've yeah. never met anyone who's descendant of That's pirates. That's true. I don't know how I feel about it because pirates are fun in cartoons, but you know. Pirates in the real world are kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got all that. She's French, she's Filipino, and she's part pirate as well. <laughs> yeah. She also wrote a book for girls to encourage more girls to pursue STEM. So more science, technology, engineering, and math. And she told us a little bit about that too. I thought that was very inspiring. Yeah. And the, the last thing I really just related to, there's so much I related to in this conversation, is she talks about going back to her childhood home. Yeah. In the Philippines. Yeah. And just kind of what that stirs up. Have you have you ever done that, Sharon? Well, my parents have lived in the same neighborhood their my whole life. So okay. my old home is literally the next building over from where they live now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, New York City on my way to mom and dad's house, I walk past my old childhood home. And I do I do reflect fondly when I walk by that one building to get to the next one. <laughs> My dad's house in India, every time he'd go back, he would go check it out. And I think they finally tore it down. And it was just such a sad thing. Because I think oh. about that. My my dad's an architect and he designed the house I was born in. Wow. Um, in Alabama. And it's still there. They still live there. And I think about that like in the future because I'm not moving back to Alabama and this is connection. Home, what is home? Like, there's actually a right. song that you know, home is wherever I'm with you. But it's like, no, there's something to be said about the physical space you grew up in. Yeah, yeah, and there's so, so much history there. I mean, it. You just kind of said that, and it reminded me of the time that I had gone all the back to China, where my grandparents are from. So I visited the village where my grandfather grew up, and those homes are around forever, right? Like. He's like, yeah, like the, well, more that the families, like his, his relatives. Oh, ancestral, ancestral. ancestral yeah, they, they're still there. So I actually got to visit the home where he grew up. And at the time when I had visited with him, he was already in his nineties. So this building had been there for at least a hundred years and there were still cousins and relatives living in it. But there is something to be said just about the, the memories that you create in that, in that physical structure, but also it being a gathering spot for so many wonderful things to happen. She really brought that out as she was talking to us too. Well, let's uh, dive right into our conversation with Mara. Before we go too deep into a lot of things, I'd love to learn a little bit more about who you were before you were the famous Mara Lecoq. Like, can you tell us like uh, something super specific from, I don't know, the pre-college, pre-work life, like just a story that kind of defines 
or something yeah. funny from when you were growing up? Totally. Oh, pressure. It has to be funny. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I, um, I grew up in the Philippines at the French school um, and uh, because I'm half French, half Filipino. Um, and I grew up in a, in a very progressive household. I was never called a girl by my parents. I was called a little human. So I think that's why today a lot of my work is around um, diversity and, and helping women because I feel like my gender never really held me back. And I, and I feel um, that, I, that it, that's something I want to help people with. And when I was a kid, I was um, very much a, a tech geek. My dad would uh, teach me programming when I was nine. That was like, I don't know, 1992. Um, and I, I built my, my first website from scratch on Notepad in 1995. And so that was, I wanted to be a programmer uh, growing up. So, so at the same time, I was also painting. Um, my parents took me to an oil painting class that I did for years when I was five years old. So, so I, I developed a sort of dual personality between um, sort of like coding and math and art and painting, which led me to become a creative director uh, most of my career at, at, a, at digital agencies creating digital products. So I got to ask if, you know, your parents are calling you little human and teaching you how to code as a little girl or as a little human, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> parents do. And then follow-up question, how did your parents do what they were doing when their ancestors were pirates? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think my, so on the, on the Filipino side, um, I think they were quite rebellious. So I, so just from, from generation to generation. So yeah, my great, great, great grandfather was a, was a pirate and his daughter married a military. And so they were Muslim. So in the, in the South Southern part of the Philippines and she married a, a Catholic military man. So the daughter of a Muslim pirate with a Catholic military man. So I think sort of contrast and open minds and accepting different people in your family is pretty much in our DNA. And so I think that's why um, that's, that's sort of what led my dad to marry a fiery French woman. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, have me. That's wonderful. Are you an only child? Yes, I am. That's great. <laughs> and uh, since we just barely got to know each other, most people are like, Oh yeah, I, I had no idea. Idea you were an only child. I, I think I don't have the the stereotypes of like, you know, whatever. The only children. Though I, 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 <laughs> what, no, I, I, I gotta ask. Yeah, what are I some stereotypes? Right? I have an only child. What are those stereotypes? Oh, what do you think they are? So, so do people assume that you're very selfish and you just only think about, yeah, you know, sort of your, your happiness and don't really care about what other people think? Is hmm. uh, That's a question for you. <laughs> um, oh, well, Robin really has a my sibling. head around that. Cause, Oh, and I thought you were an only child. His 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 daughter right now is an only child. Is that what you're oh. saying, Robin? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm still mentally what's you know, all everything you just described describes a four-year-old toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so she's exactly that way. <laughs> yeah, right now she's that. But you know, um I, I think I've Sharon, I think I've told Sharon this. Like I my daughter, I she doesn't need to be the smartest. She doesn't need to be the most athletic, the best looking. Even as my dad's, if we can do something, like do it well. Not even that. The only thing I care about is that she doesn't grow up to be an asshole, right? Um, yeah. It, it's the opposite statement of be a good human, right? But it's the flip side of is the consequences of not being a good human is to be a bad person, right? And we have 
more than a few of those kind of rising to power in this world we live in. And so, and you know, there's um, the other tenant I'm kind of following in our household right now is learn by doing, or, you know, not by saying like, I can lecture my kid all I want, but she's going to see what I do. Um, I eat with my hands because I'm Indian and my wife is Chinese and she eats with chopsticks and it like appalls my wife. And especially right now, it's like trying to get our daughter to not eat with their hands. And my wife like gives me glaring looks at the table. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing wrong with eating with your hands to be clear, but um, it's this kind of like do as I um, do as I do, not as I say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've met, I, I haven't met Raman's daughter in person. I've seen her over Zoom, but she does not seem like an asshole. So I think, I think you're doing okay, Raman. Wow. I, think with, I mean, with uh, awesome parents and who, are, who value communication, I, I think kids turn out well. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're coming from a half Filipino, half French family. What are some, um, what are some moments growing up where either you, you felt like you identified with one side more than another, or did you ever feel like you were different from anybody else? Because you've also grown up in both countries as well. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I think it's just a constant internal battle and it just, it really depends on which situation I'm I'm in where I feel more French and Filipino. Um, I think I describe myself as having a Filipino heart and a French brain, um, Mm. which sometimes is, uh, you know, it sort of messes up with uh, how you perceive the world because um, there was an article, uh, on CNN uh, about the the num- like the hundred top rudest countries in the world, and so number one was France, and number ninety nine, which was like the last one, was the Philippines. So I'm always like straddling between two <laughs> worlds where I get I get to be I'm I'm very straightforward like a French person, but then I mm-hmm. I add the Filipino side. I say I say things with a smile and like with empathy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that work wasn't really great, but it's okay, you know. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I kind of caught a little bit of French earlier. You were like off the, you were off the screen, but you were saying something and it sounds like, so are you completely fluent in French as well? Yeah. uh, French is my mother tongue uh, and my, Mm -hmm. my sort of academic language. Um, And uh, yeah, and I was speaking to my husband and what's, what's funny is like my, my world is in English now since I've, I've been living in North America for eight years. Um, So, so yeah, my, my, my brain thinks in English, but there are things that I need to say in French. So for example, when I'm counting, um, I need to say like meeting IDs on zoom, I have to say it in French because I, I didn't learn to count in English. That's fascinating. And so your husband is French. Did you meet in Paris? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We were, uh, we were co-workers from, from, different, uh, from different floors. Um, and uh, so it's kind of fun now. 12 years later, we, we, it's like back to being co-workers again. Aw. <laughs> Thanks to coronavirus, right? Because you're in the same <laughs> yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess if you fast forward to today, you know, where you know, you're leading things on, on the creative and the marketing side, you're starting things, um, like where the boss, where the boss, boss ladies, how are you different from the little girl growing up? The little, hu- sorry, the little human being growing up, <laughs> like what, how are you different? How are you the same from, from that little human? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I, I, 
when, uh, you know, like we all have friends on Instagram or, or Facebook that, you know, we were friends with when we were eight years old and everybody's always like, oh, you haven't changed. So <laughs> I don't know how to, how to take that. Uh, it's like, do I still sound like a 10 year old? But uh, um, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I always imagined that uh, being a grown up, you sort of like start becoming this different person. But uh, I don't know why. Maybe because I'm from a creative background and it's like it's part of our survival as creatives to always be curious and always question ourselves and never settle in ways. Um, so, so, yeah, I feel I'm pretty much similar, but maybe a little more experienced <laughs> than I was 10. Do you feel like a grown up? Uh. I'm starting, like I'm 36 now, and I started feeling like a grown-up at age 36. So meaning at 35, I still felt like a teenager. <laughs> what, what changed? Yeah, what changed in the last year? Um, good question. Uh, I, I, I think uh, being in peace with myself, my new job. Um, I think I've always been chasing, you know, whatever. So, like chasing my future, kind of like, oh, what is going to make me happy? And I think un, un, until I achieved that sort of, inner peace. I was, I still felt young or young in a sort of, yeah, not established way. And since I started this job at Fishbowl um, and found leaders that I really love and respect and a company I respect and a mission, I, you know, everything's great for the first time in uh, 14 years since I started working. I think that's where I started feeling like a, a grown up. like, ah, I'm settling down. Like this is a life I can imagine having for a while because for the previous 14 years, um, I was really not like that. I was like, you know, very sort of uh, burnt out and, and kind of negative about my future. Do you think you were just trying to chase something and and it was just always out of reach or you didn't know what you were chasing? Is that yeah. kind of what Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this where it's like society or your parents um, brainwashes you to achieve a certain thing like that title or like become a doctor or or get that you know, corner office or become like whatever. Um, and so I thought I was chasing these things that, you know, not through my parents, but sort of like what is cool in, in the career I was, I was in. And once I had that cool factor, actually, so I, um, so I had a career in advertising and moved up from, you know, being a designer, art director, a creative director, and I was a creative director for different brands and also for Nike at an agency in New York. And when you come from the Philippines and from France, it's like, it sounds like the coolest thing in the world. But once I had that, um, I realized it wasn't made for me. I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it was something that every creative fantasizes about. But once I had it, I was like, whoa, this is not what I imagined it was going to be. And I'm going to throw everything away and uh, and start something and try try a few different things to, to find what, what really fits my personality. And what is it about Fishbowl that has fulfilled that for you? Well, actually, it's... Um, uh, well, it goes back to where are the boss ladies. So I was, uh, I was freelancing in, in advertising and I heard about Fishbowl, which is um, a professional social network where uh, people talk about works semi-anonymously. So you have really honest conversations about your career but you couldn't otherwise have either in real life or on LinkedIn, you know, kind of like, oh, this is how much I'm making. Is this mm -hmm. normal? Or um, 
I'm having a really hard time managing this person. How do I, how do I solve this? Um, so I was also, I had been in advertising for, for, yeah, between 12 to 14 years. I had never had a female boss. Um, and I started wondering like, oh, is the reason why I'm starting to feel disengaged with this career? Because I had, don't have any role models. And, um, and because in advertising, I mean, in like in, in many industries, there's a lack of, uh, of women in leadership. I started a spreadsheet and on, a, on a Google sheet. Um, uh, and I, I, I started writing down just like four women I knew of. And I saw in Fishbowl that it was uh, a conversation that, that, that came coming up with women. People were like, where are the female-led agencies? Like, I can't stand being, you know, marginalized in this uh, male-dominated uh, workplace. And so I posted this spreadsheet on Fishbowl, and it sort of exploded from there because it was open access. And the people, like, in a matter of days, submitted hundreds of women and that's where I found my my co-founder for Where Are the Boss Ladies, and she um, together we we created a website for it. We migrated it to Airtable, so it has like a user friendly experience without investing thousands in technology. Um, and now we have more than a thousand female leaders that um, are role models that women can go work for. So I gotta say. Um First, when I was doing my research on your page, I was like, oh my God, embedded spreadsheets. So first I reached out. So Matt Ramen, Ross. Ramen loves spreadsheets. I, I, and not like even spreadsheets. Obsessed. It's got to be, be G sheets. It's got to be G sheets. Airtable for sure. Um, scales better. Um, I, I guess you, you almost kind of summed up the mission um, of where are the boss ladies. Is that exactly what right. it is? Yes. If you're a female and you just want to find a, a, a business that's run by females that you can be in that. Yes. Understanding environment is that it? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a way to find role models to work for because that's the that's the where it, what it boils down to. A lot of women live uh, leave in their sort of mid thirties, like middle management, because they don't see role models. They don't see it's something that they could become. And so this is this is a list for for women to realize. Hey, there's a thousand of them, so you can just hang out and try to work for them, and then be inspired to continue. Now, is it um, you know you mentioned the original list was kind of crowdsourced? Is it people raising their hand and saying, "Oh, I'm a boss lady, come work for me," or is it I know that Sharon is a boss lady, so I would put Sharon in, so people Oof. want to be in that environment? Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, both. And then what we what we do, we we put all, all all the the LinkedIn URLs so that women can just organically reach out to them or look at the websites and, and things like that. And where the list is organized by by type two, we have you know you can you can search by uh, department, by job title, by women of color, um, and so that has. Uh, uplifted a lot of the the women of color communities um, who are, who realized, wow, they actually do exist and this is where they work. That's great. That's great. There's also um, on in the spreadsheets, the Airtable sheets, there's also cool facts that I've seen that you've put in from each person or for yeah. each person. Where are you getting those from? Yeah, this was a... a a different way to look at leadership in advertising because in advertising, what is really valued is uh, awards or, you know, just what is, what are those shiny objects that you can flash in front of people? Um, and, and those are usually the criteria for people to join companies. But for me, as a woman, I, um, there are other things I value too, beyond, um, 
really shiny resumes and it's personalities and uh, you know, is, is, is the boss kind? Is the boss empathetic? So we have, um, compliments and fun facts for the for each boss and people can search for for keywords so like you can even search for motorcycle and you can find a boss who actually has a motorcycle or mom so you can find a boss who is a mom and uh, and you know all this is to show that we all have different personalities and we're not it's not because women are women that they should be uh, automatically the boss of another woman. It's more about finding what's your fit. So some people like to be pushed by like hard bosses. It's also written there. Uh, I mean, in a, in a good way, obviously. And others like kind, empathetic leaders. And then you can also find out about that on the sheet. So, you know, as a guy, <laughs> something I value, and I've noticed this, like when I was in corporate America, I was fortunate enough to have lots of females in leadership. And that had more to do with know, just not having a sausage party at the leadership team level. And even if I wasn't at it. And then when I went to tech startups, which has kind of been the last seven years of my life, I've seen the exact opposite, right? It's the entire leadership team. There might not even be a female. So there is no female perspective or it's the co-founders are two dudes whose wife don't work. So they don't have to help out at home. You know, and right. as a working dad with a wife who works too, like a little bit of empathy for my situation, right? But it's also just, you know, the studies show diversity, diverse teams, whether it's background, ethnicity, gender, orientation leads to better results. So yes, is, is there a way that, or anyone that's doing that to kind of show leadership composition um, to kind of avoid the kind of like white males club at the top? Or is, is there a way that you guys do that or have found other people seeking that? Um, seeking diverse leadership or seeking to know which are the teams that are not diverse? Uh, well, you know, the positive answer. <laughs> what, what are, where are the leader? It's the same way. Where are the boss ladies at? Like, where are the diverse leadership teams at? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a resurgence of, of lists recently. And, you know, I think everyone wishes everything was consolidated. Like if, if LinkedIn just could just do that, do that job, I think because everybody's there, like it'd be so awesome to, to, to have that data. Uh, But until then, I think it's like, you know, different groups are doing different things and it's uh and in terms of user experience is a bit annoying, but uh, yeah, I, I had heard of lists like, around finding um, uh, producers of color um, and uh, and others it's like creative women so yeah there's there's a bunch of them but it's not really consolidated anywhere unfortunately oh, no now are there any trends you're seeing in the usage of your data or things when you just hear anecdotally how people are using it or what they love about it yeah well a lot of uh, I mean on both sides um, the the senior women get reached out by a bunch of other women so in in their companies they're also looking to hire uh, more women so that's that's a win for them and um, and the the more and the, the ones seeking uh, opportunities can have access so on both sides everybody's really happy to to, to have a list that facilitates that oh and I forgot to mention yeah um, the we yeah also know that uh, companies like Netflix and Apple and Amazon are using the list. Uh, it is free, and you know I think um, it was important for us to to keep it free because uh, because our goal is for women to find role models to work for, not for big brands to find uh, 
email talent. You know, it's like, it's, it's a, it's almost the same thing, but it's completely different. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of, you know, I think tech ladies is also a list. Um, I mean, they need to pay the bills. So I think it's a list that's being, that's monetized, which is normal. And that's also part of sort of, um, how I met you, Sharon, uh, cause, cause it was, this is a, a nonprofit, but without the goal of really, um, be bringing a lot of revenue because that would, would go against our mission. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and right now it's, it's just a, a pleasurable side hustle, um, that we maintain. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, in recent, uh, months I sort of made peace with what I wanted to, to, to do with this company. Um, because, you know, as you know, like, uh, having a business is like, it's like a different world. And I, I didn't want this to start being, um, something that would stress me out. I, this is a passion of mine. Um, and I'm happy, you know, kind of like when people volunteer on the week on the weekends, that's, this is what I'm volunteering. Yeah. Well, you're definitely providing a really valuable service to a lot of people. So I can see, I can see why you would just love to continue doing this. Right. Um, going back to your parents and teaching you how to code and calling you a little human, when you told them what you wanted to be or what you decided to be as an adult, whether that was in marketing as a creative director or now, you know, running a a side hustle and also um, working at Fishbowl, what, how did they respond to that? Like, did they have certain expectations of you and um, how did they respond to your career choices? My parents have always been supportive with, with whatever I I wanted to put my mind to. Um, Unfortunately, uh, my dad was also a creative director in advertising. And I'm saying unfortunately because it sounds like I have no personality. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was actually a copywriter and I was interested in the art side. And, uh, and sort of, you know, I, w- I felt I had my own identity. And, blah, blah, blah. and then sort of like as the years went by, I, you know, I started an internship at an ad agency and then, and then morphed into what my dad was in the 90s. Um, but now it's um, what I'm doing is, is different. I must admit that the recent job change, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of side hustles. I, I even before, where are the boss ladies? Um, I don't know if, uh, if, uh, you knew this, but I, I did another, um, really cool project called secret code and it's a customizable children's book that stars your little girl as a tech hero. That's awesome. Yeah. It, Wait, it was, was this, uh, hang on. Was this, was this a graphic novel by first, second press in all seriousness? Uh, no, not, 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 okay. not yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I could have sworn like I saw something like that library. That's why. Oh, no, cause it's a customizable book. So the, the way it. we're, the way it works is that you customize the name, the skin color and the hairstyle online. So it looks like the girl you want to inspire. And two wow. weeks later, he gets a book in the mail about her story as a badass robot engineer. <gasps> is that still available? Yeah, well, actually, it's it's still available until just this morning. I got an an email from the print on demand partner who said that they're all like you know, ice, like not in in isolation and they're not producing the books right now. So, um, oh. but uh, but that was an awesome venture after I decided to leave my first um, advertising career and and uh, as I was doing that, I created Where are the Boss Lady. So it's like the you know the past sort of two years were super intense, <laughs> figuring out who, who am I? Am I this? And I would often like, you know, back to identity and 
and ethnicity, you know, and how like we're switching hats, you know, depending yeah. on who we're talking to. I mm-hmm. felt the same with my job, you know, just depending on the person I would, I'd be like, Oh, I'm a freelance uh, creative director or somebody else. I'd be like, Oh, I own a children's media company. And somebody else I'd be like, Oh, I have a nonprofit for female leaders. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I think that contributed, you know, when you're talking, asking me if I felt like an adult, like that definitely did not feel like I was an adult because I was, I felt like I was lying to different people all day because I was not talking about the other things, um, which were a part of my identity. And I think that's why I feel like peace, peace with myself because now I have like a normal job that I can describe normally uh, and I, I identify with it. Um, but yeah, back to your question, uh, I, uh, I I think my dad was a bit confused. He was like, what is Fishbowl? It's like, what is this <laughs> startup I've never heard of? <laughs> so the, I, gotta, I had a little bit of jealousy because something Sharon and I talk about is, you know, our parents don't know what we do. And for a while, your dad actually knew what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Like you literally did the same job that he had done. So exactly. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> but now it's back to uh, back to not having that. Uh, but what's right. funny? You, you got uh, to keep them on their toes. You got to keep yeah. them on their toes. <laughs> what's funny though is like my my dad would explain. You know, sometimes I had moments of tension and doubt, and, and you know, as a creative director, and he'd be like. He was. He would ex- describe what, how he would do things in the nineties. You know, he'd be like, yeah. "Yeah, if a client disrespects you, I just like I just walk storm out and insult them back." I'm like, "Uh, <laughs> those days are so over." <laughs> Very Don Draper of them. Very Don yeah, Draper. Yeah, so like Don Draper. Kiss your ass all the time now. <laughs> so funny. So if. Yeah, I ask this question one of two ways usually, but I think I know the way I want to ask it. Originally, I was going to say, "What advice would you give?" You know little Mara, um, if you could send her a text or an email or a letter. But I guess the more question is, if you met a little girl who wanted to be Mara when she grows up, or a little boy, frankly, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Oh, um... Because you sound really cool. And like, oh. <laughs> I kind of want to be when I grow up and I'm already grown up. So I so want to be you, Mara. <laughs> I want to be you. <laughs> uh, 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 I... I guess it's like, well, thank you. I'm, 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 I'm flattered and, and awkward. <laughs> but, um, uh, Mission accomplished. <laughs> I would say continue helping others. I think that's how I got to, I don't know, like the life I have now because I've always been curious about others and I've always liked helping people. And, you know, I don't know about your cultures, but the Philippine culture is very, I don't know if you, no Filipinos, um, you know, they're, they're, they have big hearts and they like, my dad would always say like, we just like making people happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and salty foods and salty foods. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's sort of part of um, how opportunities unfolded for me, just on, you know, sort of looking back, it's just like being kind to a person, you know, 15 years ago and meeting them today and be like, Oh, oh I see you're connected to so-and-so. And they'd be like, Oh my God. Yes, of course I'll connect you. You know, it's like, I, you know, I didn't, it, you know, when I was 10 years old, I wasn't like thinking of, you know, Mara when I was 35, but I feel like things are paying off. Um, I mean, just to be like a little sort of pragmatic. Um, so I, I guess, I guess that would be my advice. That's fantastic. So definitely. We're... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to no. give her a compliment, but that's okay. Roman. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're, no, you're allowed. I'm just being an asshole. No. <laughs> Clearly. I love, how Sharon, um, I love how Sharon was like, I was about to pay her a compliment, Robin. right? Why I was about to say something so kind and you were just going to ask her another question. But Mara, I was going to say, you've, you've definitely created a life where you're doing that now. Like you are, you, you've created a children's media platform to inspire little girls. You've created a place for where women can go and find their next mentor and coach and professional, um, you know, professional role model. And, and you're just doing that out of the goodness of your heart. So you've accomplished you. that for sure. Thank you. And I think that's also why finally, after all these years, I feel at peace with myself with the, the job I'm doing now, because it's a, a platform where professionals seek uh, solutions for ch- challenges they, they have at work and, and being able to help everyone and, you know, not just women, but also black men and introverts and Asian men and, uh, you know, all the, all other groups of people who, who need attention. And I, it, these are things that I, I just really feel passionate about. That's great. There's an oft quoted saying, um, be the change you wish to see in the world. And that's what I love I about love hearing what you're doing. That's, um, but you're, you totally embody that. And yeah, my man. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Mahatma Gandhi, uh, we like him around here. <laughs> uh, in Long Island City as a fan Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, in, in the Sharon and Raman and Mara world. <laughs> <laughs> On this uh, awkward Zoom conversation. Sharon, what do you think? Speed round? I think so. I think we're ready. All right. We're, uh, so we don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but now we're going to keep you on your feet with some speed round questions. Are you ready? Oh my gosh. I'm so, as an introvert, I'm so bad at that. <laughs> but okay, let's do it. <laughs> so I'll, I can go first. Uh, What's one thing yeah, about go. you no one expects? Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> introvert brain is like analyzing everything right now. Right. <laughs> um. Uh, I, oh, I majored in science. No, I'm, when you, people know me, they think I'm wacky and, and bubbly and friendly, but I had a, a scientific high school diploma that everybody finds hard to do, but that sounds super braggy and stupid. Can I, can I do it? Can I do it? No, I I could ask, how do you major in science? You can't uh, like, (laughs) don't you have to pick a science? There are lots of sciences out there. Oh, sorry. I don't, yeah, I don't have the right terms because it's a, it's a, it's French baccalaureate. So you, you choose that in, um, like in the uh, second to last year before high school and you specialized in, in, in math. That was fine. So you were, you got a math major. Yes. Got it. All right, go Raman. Speed round. Oh man, so many fun speed round questions. What's your favorite mom dish? Um, gisier de canard. <laughs> I don't know how to Ooh, say that in English. Duck, right? I recognize yeah. the word duck. Yay. Yeah, it's like a it's like a a French duck dish with uh, potatoes and garlic and duck. Mm, that sounds follow delicious. up question. <laughs> what's what's the one food like you will never eat? Like you're just like no, I've done it. Never again. Ampalaya, which is a uh, Filipino bitter melon. Is it kind of like durian? No, mm. that's delicious. Yeah, well, it smells. It smells oh. like hell, but it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, I have one. Where's one place you'd want to go back to? My the house I grew up with uh, in the Philippines. Where in the Philippines? In uh, Manila, and actually, I 
every year I, I, I walk by like a creep <laughs> and I take pictures. Um, I do a little <laughs> visit there outside <laughs> and I try to look inside the windows. Oh, that's great. All right. So last question. Ready? What does being a model minority mean to you? Um, I mean, to, I might, this might sound a, a bit too cliche, but uh, just accepting who you are. I mean, it's yeah. very cliche, <laughs> but it means a lot to me because uh, all, all, all these years, I, um, I've always felt I wasn't French enough, wasn't Filipino enough, um, and was always confused. And now I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, that's who I am. I'm kind of in between all these worlds and I'm never a full one person and it's okay. And that's what makes me rich in my own way. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mara, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Thank you. I, I mean, I, I love talking to you and I actually wanted to ask you a bit more about yourselves, but I don't know if this is like part of the podcast or like, I, you know, I, um, let, let's keep it rolling. I mean, if we have any other, I mean, yeah, you know, and again, I, I'm totally an open book. I know Sharon is too, but yeah, ask away. You're always welcome to ask us questions. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so curious about, well, first, uh, the, the family dynamics since, uh, you know, you guys are all so mixed. Um, and, uh, you know, what are the cultural differences that you notice in your families? That's a good question. We talk about it a lot too, actually, because Raman and I are both, you know, from interracial or interracial yeah. relationships. Um, my kids are being raised kind of in between both worlds, but from two people that were born in the U.S., so it's almost like two different worlds, but one removed, right? Because I grew up in New York. My husband also grew up in New York. Um, and I grew up in Chinatown. And so my mom is from Hong Kong. And um, I definitely grew up with Chinese language around me and definitely went to Chinese school. But it's been, it's been interesting trying to pass that down to them through the lens of also being an American. Because there are moments when I feel like I don't even know enough about my culture to be qualified to do that. Like I find myself Googling things a lot or like going to Wikipedia or like, you know, what, like how did the 12 uh, Zodiac animals for Chinese New Year get chosen? Like those yeah. types of things that like, I just don't have the answers to. So, um, so that's been a really, it's, it's been enlightening as a, as an adult to have to, to be in a, in a position, I guess, to, to relearn a lot of that stuff that maybe was passed down to me as a kid, but I just don't remember. And then I think I get, you know, once in a while, like my kids will do something that are completely foreign to me. Like the other day, my, um, my mother-in-law brought over uh, fish cakes and bake. And fish cakes are like these small little salty, um, I guess they're kind of like, think of them like crab cakes, but they're made of fish, right? But they're like these tiny little balls of like seasoned fish. And you mm. put them between these fried dough, almost like little um, buns. And it's a very traditional Caribbean breakfast kind of a thing. And, and my seven-year-old was like, I want, you know, fish cake and bake for, for breakfast. And I was like, you know, cutting open the, the fried dough and putting in the, the salty fish. And I'm like, this is so, like, what is this? <laughs> Where did this come from? Why is it in my kitchen? Who is this person standing in front of me asking me for it? Um, but it's just been, it's, it's an interesting exercise of just learning about your own culture and having to like articulate that to, to your children, but then also l having to learn about a di like my husband's culture and me having zero relationship with it. 
Yeah. Robin, what about you? Uh, you know, I'll answer it from, I, I could talk till the cows come home about like all the fun stories of my wife, myself and our daughter. But I think about growing up, you know, as a brown kid in Alabama, it was assimilate, 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 right? Um, my dad, a lot of Indian Americans left in the 70s. That was like the big wave of migration of Asian Americans. And my dad came in the late 60s. He left India as like a 21-year-old um, early um, after his father passed away. And my mom was, well, she's Indian ethnically. She was born in uh, Uganda and they fled as refugees because of Idi Amin to England. And so like, you know, the past few years, the whole refugee crisis like really boils my blood because of how my mom survived, right? Because of the good graces of certain Western democracies. And, um, but even she, you know, and then she went to college and like she left her, her and her siblings left her parents and they had to grow up alone, poor in England. And um, I think about that a lot because then, you know, they are not the traditional like Indian Americans, but Somehow they ended up in Alabama. It's jobs, you know, that's why they ended up in Alabama. But we didn't speak Hindi or Punjabi at home. Um, and I go, and I didn't grow up around a lot of Indian kids that much. There were probably 10 Indian families when I grew up. And that shaped my identity, the kind of people I hang out with. I didn't really, I didn't even know what kind of Indian I was until I was like 19, like what state, like, and so if you ask an Indian American, they know their identity and I didn't. Um, and that led to the kinds of, for the longest time, it was just hang out with other white people. I saw myself as a white person. And um, then as I got older, I think the kind of, this is going to sound weird, but like the kind of minorities I sought out, like other Indian Americans or Chinese Americans, my wife is the exact same way. Like the story is eerily similar. Her dad fled um, China to Hong Kong um, because the communists left as like a 21-year-old. Her mom, it Chinese, was born in Jamaica, right? And it got dangerous and they went to Canada. And all of that has shaped almost my wife and I have almost the same stories or the same upbringings. Our parents have the same point of view on language and culture and assimilation. And there's a sense of loss. Um, and we can't make up for that lost culture with my daughter. We try where we can, but um, I don't know. What was the question again? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's super interesting. It's uh, on cultural differences that you see yeah. in your families. Um, these, this is, it's so great to hear that because, you know, once I will start, having a, a family that that will be a question I ask myself like what am I transmitting yeah. is it the mm -hmm. I mean with my French husband who has a very uh, strong French accent uh, I think that's <laughs> fine but uh, with uh, with me I'm like the, my Filipino side um, like how do I actually transmit it and will I actually not because I'm in America and it's kind of far and I don't even speak the language super well you know so uh, it's it's great to hear your experiences too yeah. And you know, it's funny. Um, it's my wife and I, and once we started living together and prior to getting married, like we, then we started to compare notes about like the model minority experience, so to speak, you know, like comparisons of like what we do to fit in. And now we've kind of like thrown a lot of that out the window because to, to your, your revolution, your revelation of like being more comfortable in your own skin, I'm more comfortable in my own skin than I've ever been. Like knowing what I have, what I don't have, what I do, what I want even. Um, and there's less stress about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And especially when the focus is a little person and making sure they wind up being a good human being. Like that's the, that's really like the only goal. And she's I was talking on another interview. It's like, she's been asking, I'm half Chinese. I'm half Indian. Uh, mommy, are you half Chinese, half Indian? And like trying to explain that to her. And my answer always back to her is, well, you're American. 
And that's first and foremost, because um, that's this whole country. It's just a big melting pot. Even yeah. the quote unquote traditional white Americans are half Polish, a quarter German, and blah, blah, blah. So we're all going to be brown one day. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. For more about this episode, links to things mentioned, or to join the conversation, visit monmypod.com. We'd love to hear from you. And here's a preview of our next episode. I mean, I felt ashamed uh, for being Black. To this day, there's certain times where you kind of, that, that sort of comes to you. But as you get older, you kind of deal with that. As a child, yeah, I, I certainly felt ashamed. Uh, you get made fun of. You, you're in a different country it's a different culture you don't have family here it's you know and then you don't really have your accents different so you don't have the the quick comebacks and so forth so yeah definitely definitely felt ashamed definitely there were definitely some nights uh, some days i'd get home just feeling down and so forth i wouldn't really tell my mom about it because she didn't really care um but you know yeah that's it for now i've been Raman segel and i'm still sharon lee tony remember we're all model minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.